I'm so excited to welcome you to Season 3 of Career Resilience. My name is Jan Daniluk. I'm a Senior Human Resources Consultant at Ford Keast, a progressive accounting firm in London, Ontario, Canada. Each week I get to talk with people about their career path and their career journey, and maybe we can all learn from each other how to be a little bit more resilient in the challenging world of work. Please check out my website, career-resilience.com, where you'll find season one and season two, and now season three. Welcome. Love what you do and do what you love. The best career advice I've received, follow the fun. Those opportunities will just organically present themselves. You know, establish those connections and maintain those connections. Acceptance just means accepting what is. I don't think we should just put ourselves in a box. At the end of the day, it was always me that I said, I'm not doing good enough right now. I want it to always be, you know, movie night on Friday night. My guest today is Jeff Fung. Jeff is Vice President of Operations at Forever Homes, which is a residential real estate and construction and development firm. He's Vice President of Operations, as I said, and that means he handles the day-to-day of the business and leads the team. This is also a family business, and that in itself has very interesting challenges in the world of work. So, So Jeff, welcome to Career Resilience. Thanks for having me, Jen. Appreciate it. It's just great that you are available to chat with me. So I, I know we're going to talk about your career and the business and so on, but I thought we could start out by if you could just tell me a fun or a random interesting fact about yourself. Um, the I guess the most interesting, one of the interesting facts about me would be uh, I had the opportunity after university to travel um and work uh abroad of sorts uh i went with two of my college friends and we backpacked europe for about a month and then uh me and another gentleman mike continued on to australia where he uh had a a study abroad program that he was doing and i uh worked for and traveled with him for about six months so I took about seven months uh, after graduation and, and traveled and, and worked in Australia, which was a fantastic uh, experience looking back on it. Uh, some struggles when we were there um, with uh, it's hard, you know, hard to find that first job and, um, and you know, kind of make do without having to call home, uh, which we definitely didn't want to do. Uh, but it was a great experience and wouldn't have uh, wouldn't trade for the world. And uh, I encourage everybody to do the same, even, uh, you know, people that work with me and, and uh, other trades that I talk to. Yeah. Um, what kind of work did you do in Australia? So my first w- job was very unsuccessful, but I worked um, at a call center that sold timeshares or sold arranged timeshare meetings <laughs> so, so that was uh that lasted about i'm tempted to say 10 days maybe less seven to ten days somewhere in there and then after that i worked for a company that was that specialized in enthusiast gear 
and um, law enforcement gear. Uh, they had a online sales um, uh, kind of department, but also so it was like a pick and pack warehouse. They had a small retail shop, and then they had commercial uh, government contracts. You mentioned that you know you would you would recommend people do this. Did you feel that you grew up a bit through this whole process? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, grew up um, a lot, but also you know learned a lot about other cultures and other people and other mm-hmm. uh, points of view. Travel really does help you with your perspective about life. I, I really believe that, that uh, it's not the same watching it on TV, that's for sure. No, um, no. So I wanted to switch over to talking about your background in terms of education. What what did you take when you were in university? I took accounting. Uh, I took a business, you know, a Bachelor, bachelor of Arts, but a, a business um as a business major, uh, with a, I guess, a focus in accounting. Okay. Uh, never really got to be, wasn't smart enough to be an accountant, but, uh, went down that stream and, but really, really appreciated the, the knowledge there. It's, yes. it's helped tremendously. Yeah, that would be hugely helpful. Um, so thinking about forever homes, the, the business that you're, you're in, um, can you give me a little bit of background? I know that you're the son of immigrants. So can you give me a little bit of background about the start of the, the business? Yeah, the um, I don't know if any of us really know how the business started. It was definitely a, a journey. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. It started with my, my mother and father, uh, are the founders, and I don't think they really know how they got into it either. Um, so... The the generally speaking, the they immigrated in 1990, uh, in I believe June 1990, and I was born shortly after in November. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur uh, in Hong Kong, so they both immigrated from Hong Kong. So he had always had a, he he was a business operator in in Hong Kong. Uh, when he got here, they were trying to figure out you know what type of work or business they wanted to to start and they took on a, a bunch of jobs in different industries uh to to get a feel of things um my father started as a waiter at a, a chinese restaurant in masonville at the time uh my mother worked in a deli at no frills um and they both worked at at the time called Robin's Donuts uh, <laughs> on, I think it was on the corner of Horton and uh, Wellington. Uh, there used to be uh, Robin's Donuts. So they, they tried a, a few different industries to see what one they would like to start. You know, the, the typical ones and, and ones that were kind of low barriers of entry at the time, uh, restaurants, you know, supermarket or convenience store. Um, uh, it's important or uh, well, coffee shop things like that. What, uh, and do mean, what do you mean, Jeff, when you say low barriers of entry? It, like it didn't take a lot to get. It wasn't something that took a lot to get started. You know, right. uh, you, you could, um, you know, a restaurant, a little bit of money and and the space, you can you know start a restaurant. 
Um, uh, and same thing with uh, with a coffee shop. What kind of business was your dad in in Hong Kong and your mom? He, um, my mom was uh, had an accounting background as well. She worked uh, for a couple companies in Hong Kong, uh, British based companies. Uh, my father had a commercial printing company. Did they speak English? My my mother's English uh, was was fine. It was it was good enough, uh, be, and mostly she, she finished high school um, and also did some postgraduate studies. But she also uh, worked in a British based company, um, so they all spoke English. And there's some Scottish people there. She she remembers, but uh, so she had to use English quite a bit. So her English was good. My father's English was it was and still isn't the greatest, uh, but uh, he was he had a good mind for for business and entrepreneurship and very um, personable. Uh, and a lot of people say he's a pleasure to be around. <laughs> so uh, I think that helped him helped him a lot here. So, Jeff, are you incredibly impressed by the bravery of your parents? Yeah, absolutely. Um, more and more as I get older, uh, more impressed uh, with it, uh, what they've done and what they've been able to achieve uh, in their time here. It's, it's a, you know, London is in 1990, 1993 or early 90s, you know, London wasn't as nearly diverse as it is now. Right. Um, and you know, there's no internet or technology really, you know, there's no Google Translate or anything like that. So they had to trust a lot of people and, um, and, you know, put themselves out there for yeah. sure. And, and I kind of talk to my wife now and I say like, imagine us just, this is about the same age as my dad now moving uh, from Hong Kong to Canada. Imagine if we, you know, picked up and moved to, you know, uh, Thailand or, you know, anywhere else, uh, that where we don't speak the, the language, mm -hmm. um, it would be extremely challenging, yeah. uh, even with the technology that we have. So it's, it's quite impressive. And I have a lot of, a lot more respect as I get older for, for, you know, immigrants and those, yeah. um, uh, that have been here for a while and established a, a business or a life for, yes for themselves from another country. Yeah, the courage it takes is kind of kind of mind-boggling. Now, for yourself, did you always know that you were going to go into this family business? No. Oh. I uh the the joke and that we still kind of talk about today is growing up, I would tell my father that the moment I get my hands on the business, I'm going to sell it. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I never wanted to be a part of the business, not, never wanted anything to do with it. Um, but uh, I learned to appreciate it now and, and learn, learned uh, about it. And, and it's great. I don't know what I would, what else I would do if I wasn't doing this. Yeah, it's a fascinating business. Um, so did you work in the business as a kid in various jobs? Yeah. yeah, and that's probably why I didn't want to ever be part of the business. Yes. Uh, you know, just as a teenager or, you know, 15, 16 would be on site sweeping and cleaning and doing all the, uh, 
you know, the, the grunt work, which yeah. nobody really wants to do. Uh, but it, you know, it taught me a lot. Uh, and uh, looking back on it, especially, and a lot of the trades that we use now are still the ones from back then. Mm. And a lot of them remember me on site. So they have a little bit more respect for me, uh, since they know I've done some of it as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, being able to relate to the guys on site and have the one, one talking, at least I know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I, I worked on site growing up in, in the summers and, and stuff like that. So when, at what point did you really know that you were going to get into the business as a career? After I came back from Australia, um, our, our family was working on a project. Um, or my dad was working on a project, uh, which was a student rental building across from Fanshawe, and he, he was mm-hmm. looking for some help uh, with that. Um, so it was either I went out and, and got a job, uh, or I would I kind of help him and, and see if I would like the business. Uh, I also, you know, wasn't I've never really been the best student, so probably my resume wasn't the greatest trying to get a job. Uh, so, you know, by default, uh, I kind of had no choice and stepped in and, and helped my dad with that. And, you know, worked with a lot of people, uh, through those first couple of years and, and really liked it. And same thing, never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are the challenges you find in working in a family business? I think the biggest challenge for for me has been um, the work always follows you. You know, we even growing up at the you're, you're always talking about, or or my parents are always talking about work. You know, at the dinner table uh, when we're driving, you know, from home to a restaurant or home to hockey or back from hockey, or it always just kind of follows you. And it kind of uh, consumes you, mm-hmm. and for for better or for worse. So I, I think that was kind of the hardest part, especially starting my own family and and my wife not being from from that um, environment. Uh, when we had you know dinner at my parents' house, you know we're just all talking business, and she's kind of <laughs> on the sidelines there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that can be. Um, hard sometimes then there's there's i think the typical stuff where you know you 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 have disagreements that can carry over into you know personal conversations or personal you know things during yeah uh, dinner or whatever you get upset You, you take work home from with you even whether it's good or bad um disagreements and and you know power struggles uh so it's hard to navigate those things sometimes. Uh, luckily, I don't have any siblings, uh, so I can't really comment on that. But I, you know, you see that a lot too with um, siblings trying to, you know, maintain control or certain types of control. Yeah. Do you ever? Do you ever need to get away from each other? Uh, mm, no. Like you know. Yeah. I think we all have a good relationship. Me and my parents have a good relationship, which is, you know, probably a reason why my dad was okay with me coming into the business is we had a good relationship. Yeah. Um, 
so I don't feel that he's there too much or we see each other too much. Um, yeah, it, it's never been never been a problem for for me or us. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give others in your position in a family business? Um, it, I guess in my my scenario where you know I'm the incoming generation, it, my advice would be um, that you know you're probably wrong. Um, go, <laughs> And I, I've been wrong probably more often than not. Um, and the experience of the of the previous generation is is tremendously valuable. Um, and the relationships that they've made and, and the inroads that they've made are, are tremendously valuable. And, and don't take that for granted. Uh, sit back and listen and and observe. Uh, obviously, you know, most people are trying to improve the business and, and will make mistakes, um, along the way, but uh, positive mistakes, but, um, the, the experience of the previous generation is probably a lot more useful than, uh, the academic knowledge you may have obtained, uh, over the course of your studies. Do you think that sometimes what happens is that the new generation maybe doesn't have the the same amount of respect for the previous? Because, of course, you know, when you're the new generation, you think the ideas that you got are innovative and creative and, you know, you did that and that's fine. But, you know, I'm just going to be polishing this apple. The acceleration of technology, you know, there, there's a big difference between you know, technology from 1995 to, you know, 2020. Yeah. So that acceleration and in, in our industry specifically, um, you know, technology hasn't always um, accelerated. You know, yeah. There's not much change in the technology and bricklaying from 1995 to 2020, yeah. 2022. So, you know, us coming in, uh, you know, with with cell phones, laptops, this, that, and whatever gizmo, um, we think that we can improve the process. Um, and you know, I think construction does need that uh, to to a large degree. Um, however, it's it's hard to change an entire industry mm -hmm. um, overnight. So, the amount of technology that's available to us. And also the accessibility of information, yeah. I think, gives gives people like myself a little bit more uh, confidence in trying to make changes or implementing changes that may or may not add value. Yeah. So talk to me about how you have had to be resilient in your own career. Um, I think the biggest... Uh, part of that is being able to, um, you know, be humbled, understanding, um, I guess that part of, you know, you're probably wrong. Oh. Um, you know, you, you're, you're being wrong and failing is not a bad thing. 
Um, but, you know, people lose a lot of confidence when that happens. Um, making, <clears throat> making mistakes is a good thing, but also understanding why you made those mistakes or how to not make those mistakes again mm -hmm. um, is important. And I think that's part of the resilience. Now, you played hockey. Yeah. Yeah, if you can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> I was out there. You were out there. Um, did that shape you at all? Yeah, sports was sports was a big part of my growing up for me. I didn't have any siblings, so um, didn't have any real head-to-head uh, -head competition or competitiveness, you know, in in, in the house playing games or whatever. Uh, so sports was a big, uh, big thing for me, whether that was at school, um, hockey outside of school, um, high school basketball, stuff like that, yeah. uh, really, really enjoyed it. Helped me understand team, teamwork, um, you know, hard physical work as well. And, and also a lot of times it, you know, the core, being able to correlate hard work with results, um, yeah. uh, tangible results is, is important to see so that kind of fostered that for me i have my questions for you that i wanted to ask what has been the best career advice that you have received um the best career advice i've ever received was um that the most important thing is reliability hmm. um you can you could be, you know, the best at something, uh, or you could be the worst at something. Uh, but if you're not reliable, uh, either of the, neither of those things matter. And it rings pretty true in, in construction. Yeah. Um, you know, showing up is, you know, 80% of the work. You know, we can always teach you how to be better at something, uh, but we can't really teach you to be here. You just have to be here. Mm -hmm. um but yeah reliability and dependability i think are, are are the biggest assets um as uh as an employee or even as a as a person as a leader yeah. um and that was the best advice is if you can if you can be reliable you will you you can't be you can't be replaced tell me about the houses that you build are they getting more and more complex? Are they getting simpler? Like, where is where's your industry going in terms of housing? Um, that's a good question. Um, complex. Uh, I would say they're getting slightly more complex, um, but at the same time, the some of the processes are getting a little bit simpler um the there's a lot of new materials and engineered products uh mm -hmm. that are trying to uh replace some of the older methods of construction um i think the com the complexity uh is benefiting the the ultimate product uh, i think the homes are becoming better and better built and more um comfortable or easier to maintain or better environment for for people to to live in mm -hmm. 
the types of homes we built were we built primarily, you know, relatively entry level homes and townhomes. Um, and the I say the most complex part of things these days is you know more of the the gadgets that people are trying to put into the homes that don't really have too much to do with the actual home itself, but you know smart smart homes um whether that's you know smart lighting um smart shower valves mm. uh, equipment and, and you know some of the fridges these days too you know like they got their wi-fi enabled and what do you think jeff of 3d houses yeah i actually saw the my first one in uh in January, where it's kind of like a, a printed a, a printed house, uh, I think it's I think it's a great idea, um, but I don't know if it's uh, works in our climate yet. I think there's there's still a long ways to go. Um, it might work in in places like uh, you know warm, probably typically more warmer climate places. Yeah, uh, or or single or one or two seasonal uh, mm-hmm. places. Whereas, you know, our, our climate here, you, you go from plus 40 to minus 40. Yes. So it's a, uh, it's a very large swing. Yes. Um, but I think uh, what, what I've seen a lot is a, a lot more modular type building, which I think is going to be, um, I hope that can improve and help, uh, help kind of increase the capacity of building. Um, and, and it can be built in, in any, any place. What is modular? What, what does that, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, a lot, it's, it's been around for a long time, but it's, it's kind of getting better, but anything from, there's all kinds of forms, but anything from, you know, building, you can build the house in a factory and in like Mm -hmm. four or five pieces and then ship it to, to site and, you know, make Mm -hmm. connections. It can be, um, you know, very small build formats that are, you know, utilize um, containers. You know, you see that was a big trend. Yes. Container ships. <laughs> yeah. um, other parts of it, maybe on the high rise side is you can actually order like a whole bathroom that's already pre-made. And all you have to do is kind of slide it into, you crane it up into apartment and slide it into place. Um, so all, so in all different formats but i think modular building is is probably uh, a way to go it eliminates for us it eliminates a lot of variables when it comes to weather um you know building in the winter is not always great but if you can build it in a factory and just kind of quickly assemble it on site it takes that that weather element out of it and possible um quality degradation because of weather I don't really think it's taken off, though, has it? I mean, modular houses, now that I recognize what you're talking about, have been around for a while. But yeah, they're still it's still quite expensive. Um, they are a lot more they're a lot more prevalent in places where trade accessibility is, isn't available. Back to to careers, and my second question for you in that list is: Is there a book? or a podcast, or even an entertainment show that you have streamed that 
influenced you or made a difference to you in navigating life? I listen often to um, some more kind of global um, business podcasts. One of the ones I listen to quite often is it's more kind of a news type podcast, but um, there's a a few through The Economist, the The Economist. Yes. They do, they provide a lot of uh, economic and also, you know, geopolitical uh, commentary, which is quite helpful. Um, And they, they give, they provide it in in a context in relation to business and the economy, right? Whereas yes. versus, um, you know, maybe your traditional uh, news outlet. So it kind of not only provides you with the news, but also some context with it. Yes. Uh, a couple of books um, uh, I've enjoyed more, were more about, uh, more, I guess, I don't know what you call biographies um, of, of different founders. Mm-hmm. Um, Shoe Dog uh, is one about uh, Phil Knight and Nike, uh-huh. uh, and how how that uh, how his journey went, <laughs> which was very interesting. It's, it, it was very it was similar in this, a little bit similar in the sense where um, Phil Knight. A, this is I don't know back in probably the seventies uh, had to go from America to Japan, so he had to do business. Uh, in a different country that he didn't understand um, mm. the language or whatnot, uh, and how he navigated those waters, and similar to how my father came in the nineties and had to navigate, you know, the yeah. Canadian uh, culture, right? Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Um, there's uh, there was another one I forget the title, but it was about Starbucks and, mm. and their um, start. And those two are probably the ones I remember the most. Yeah. Uh, and very good. And, you know, understanding how they, those founders, obviously very successful, navigated the, the mm-hmm. early days um, of those companies. Yes. I always think when I read those types of books that little did they know what was going to happen with Nike or Nike, however you pronounce it, or, you know, what was going to happen with Starbucks, you know, when they started out. We know the story now, but they didn't at the beginning. So it's quite, quite fascinating. Uh, And my third question is, what are you most proud of related to your career? Um. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to be proud of yet. Um, Jeff, there definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a long way to go still um, for us. Uh, I think, I think the thing that, you know, we can be proud of today is the, you know, we've, we've been around for 30 years. Yes. uh, And, I've only really been involved with the company for the last 10. Um, but we've seen some tremendous growth. I think the thing that we're proud of is uh, we've been able to provide a, a platform for multiple stakeholders to be successful with. Um, or that that's our employees, uh, our trades, um, 
our customers and even our vendors. Uh, we've created this vehicle where you can um, grow with us or even grow uh, faster than us. Uh, but we've we've been able to provide a, an opportunity for for different people to to come along uh, on our journey yeah. with us. Um, we've had many staff members that have come uh, uh, into our business and then have have gone and done their own thing and have been very successful. Uh, so we're, we're we're glad to see that. Um, we've seen you know trades grow with us um, from you know. A small electrical company to to a larger one, uh, to a mid-sized one, to a large one, mm-hmm. and you know them adding staff and, and and growing. So I think we're proud that we've been able to help um, people along the way and mm-hmm. and help them grow because we know you know there's been a lot of companies and a lot of people that help have helped us uh, as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. we didn't get we didn't get to where we are with without anybody uh we've got, definitely gotten here because of people yeah so you're the kind of person who likes a win-win scenario yeah absolutely i don't think i like you know what's the point of what's the point of win-lose uh in business well, it right? you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah it definitely happens and, and we yeah, it definitely happens, but there's that's not what you should be. That's not what we want to no. strive for. Yeah, uh, we, that's not want, mantra. Yeah, that's no. Nice. I think I think everybody everybody in the value chain needs to uh, needs to win, yeah. or else it's no longer a value chain, right? It, yeah, it, you know, a builder shouldn't make all the money, and and uh, uh, a drywaller shouldn't make all the money, and an electrician shouldn't make all the money, and and you know, a developer shouldn't make all the money, and the farmer shouldn't make all the money. Right? Yeah. I think everybody needs to to add value, provide value, and, and receive value uh, along the way. And it doesn't work if uh, if it's not there. And I think you, I think we're seeing that more and more now. Is you know, probably in the past there wasn't enough value for some of the trades, and that's why yeah. you're seeing a lack of new um, labor in that in that field yeah you know there's no monetary uh reward why why would they do it right just like why would would we do it yeah so i think it's not sustainable i think it also this might sound a little shishi but i think it also puts a better vibe into the homes that you're building (laughs) it makes a better home you know or a forever home i love that because People along the whole line care about the product that they're putting together, and that's great. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They need to be proud of what they're doing as well. It's so important. That's everything I had for you. Is there anything you wanted to add, Jeff? No, I, I'd like to thank you again for taking the time and having me on. Uh, and um, I appreciate you listening to listening to me. Well, really interesting stuff, that is for sure. And you are in a challenging business. And uh, I think we're we're lucky to have you in that business. So thank, thank you, you for meeting with me. So to our viewers and listeners, 
Thanks for joining Jeff and me today. I'm sure you learned a couple of things. I certainly did. Um, if you're a viewer, watch us on YouTube. If you're a listener, find us wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you so much. And until we meet again. Bye.